Hello friends! It's your old pal Aria Hawani back with another edition of the Wednesday Hawani Show. Hope you're doing well. We got three amazing guests on today's show, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to all of that, do want to let you know Major League Baseball, as you probably know, is in full swing. Big win for my Blue Jays last night against the Yankees, and there's no better place to get all of your insider baseball information than with the man himself, Buster Olney and the Baseball Tonight podcast. Download and subscribe to Baseball Tonight with our friend Buster Only wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't miss Football Americas, the new soccer debate show where Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar cover the U.S. and Mexican national teams throughout the season. Stream new episodes every Monday and Thursday only on ESPN+. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. All right, on to today's program, which, as always, does contain some language that may not be suitable for all audiences so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the show. I know I say this all the time, but there's just so much going on in MMA. It's an exciting time. Another busy weekend is ahead of us. Another busy week, another busy stretch is ahead of us. Ton of news, ton of great people to talk to. I'm very fired up. I am very fired up about today's show because we have three of the biggest names and three of the best interviews in the sport coming up. We've got Rose Namajunas, who of course is fighting Zhang Wei Li in about 10 days at UFC 261, April 24th, Jacksonville, Florida, straw weight title. She's one of the most interesting people in the sport. She doesn't do a lot of media, so excited to share this interview with all of you. We also have Tony Ferguson, speaking of very interesting people. He's on the program, doesn't talk a lot as well. He returns at 262, May 15th, Houston, Texas, of course, against Benil Dariush. We'll talk to him about you know the recent loss to Oliveira, where he goes from here, training with Freddie Roach, GSP as well. Um, the Habib fight that never was fighting on the same card as the vacant title fight, all that and more. And we also talked to Eddie Alvarez, the underground king, who last Wednesday in Singapore won championship, lost via DQ. Very controversial. Is he coming back later this month? He talks about that. Is he in serious talks to fight Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy, in a boxing match in July? We talk about that. There's a lot to get to with Eddie, who's a very deep person, a layered person, I'm looking forward to sharing that conversation with all of you as well. Like I said, as always, though, there's a ton of news in the world of MMA. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier news, light heavyweight news. We got some uh, some announcements, some fight talk, if you will. There's a lot going on. So on the back end of the three interviews, I'll talk a little more about all of that. But let's get down to the nitty gritty first. Let's get to the particulars. Let's get to the newsmakers. Let's get to the voices, the fighters themselves. And first up will be Rose Namunas. She is, uh, like I said, a very interesting person, a lot going on in her life, and she's got a big fight coming up in 10 days. So here she is up first, the one and only Thug Rose. Enjoy. All right, let's kick things off today with the woman who will be competing for the UFC strawweight title on April 24th, UFC 261, Jacksonville, Florida. She is the former UFC strawweight champion, now going back 
to regain that title against Zhang Wei Li in a little over a week. Of course, she is Thug Rose, Nami Yunus. Rose, thank you so much for the time. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, just wrapping up training camp and getting ready to go. So um, it's been a while since we last spoke, and uh, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, wanted to go back several months post your last fight against Jessica Andrade. Uh, you had to get nose surgery, right? You broke your nose. Uh, first off, how did that go? How was the recovery? And, and do you feel like it's fully recovered at this point? Yeah, that was probably the most uncomfortable week of my life <laughs> as far as, um, you know, having those tubes up my nose and uh, there was like a moment where I decided to, you know, um, I just skip one of the doses of the pain meds and man, that's all the pain just went into my head and it was terrible. Um, and then, yeah, back on the pain meds and it was just a week of uncomfortable, uh, just, yeah, not be, really being able to sleep. And then, you know, the weeks after that just kept getting better and better, but man, those tubes are like, yeah, the most uncomfortable thing ever. And, and you broke your nose in the fight against Andrade, right? Yeah, but um, my nose actually, my my septum was deviated for like seven years. And it's something that I've been like, you know, kind of was going to wait till after fighting to fix. But it just so happened that in the fight, um, the actual, you know, the nose broke in four places. So it was just like, why not get it fixed now? And now I can, I uh, I don't have any like sinus problems anymore. Even like my neck problems seem to be better from, you know, just not having those sinus issues and um, I can breathe way better than I've, than I've been able to in the past seven years. So it's like, it's kind of a blessing. And, and how long after the surgery did it take for you to feel like, all right, I feel comfortable getting punched in the face? Um, I think it was about like, what, three months. Yeah. Okay. And so now like mentally, no limitations, like you're comfortable with it. Yeah. And even after three months, there was like a period of like, oh, you know, like I would definitely do everything I could to like avoid it at all costs. And I still do to this day, you know, obviously nobody wants to get punched, but, um, but there was a moment where I got like the, I remember one of the first days where it kind of like I bumped it or somebody threw like a punch and then, uh, you know, it, it felt a little weird because the first time getting punched again, but then I was like, Oh, everything's fine. You know, <laughs> I'm good. So, uh, ever since that day, it's just been now, now I don't even think about it. So you, you had the fight in uh, July, then you get the nose surgery. Of course, that means that you're out for a bit. And then we get to like around December or so, and we're starting to want, okay, like when is this fight going to happen? This is the fight that everyone wants to see. And then, uh, and I want to get your side of the story. Dana White says, oh, well, uh, it doesn't seem like Rose wants a title shot. We might go in a different direction. Maybe uh, Carla Sparza. Was that accurate? And, and if not, what's your side of the story? I mean, of course it's not accurate, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, obviously there's, there maybe is, uh, there's, there's always two sides to every story. Um, in my opinion, um, I've, I've been thinking about fighting Whaley ever since I lost the belt, um, and she became the champion. So I, ever since she, you know, especially ever since, um, she beat Joanna, this is something that I really, it even, you know, further increased my motivation to want to fight her because, you know, uh, she proved something that, you know, not a lot of people could do. So only really me, myself and Valentina could really beat Joanna. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we all know Dana says things in the media and then turns out to be like, not true. So, uh, I think, I think that was just one of those scenarios and we still haven't even really, you know, talked about it since, but here we are. <laughs> you got the title shot in the end. So that was good. Um, did it bother you? Because that was a big story when, when it came out, Oh, you know, she no. doesn't want the title shot. Did it bother you when you read that or heard that? 
No, I mean, it definitely came out of left field. Like, I wasn't expecting that. But, um, you know, I I don't know. I'm just, like, a more mature nowadays. And I know <laughs> that that's just, you know, part of the part of the game. And um, this is just, you know, part, part of the job. You know, we just have to control what we can control. And, um, you know, I these days I don't really, you know, look at the media too much. So maybe little beats and pieces. You know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, and, and so in the making of this fight, were there any obstacles from your end? Like, we may, you know, sometimes when that is said, it's kind of code for, oh, we can't get a deal done with someone or they're, they're asking for this and that. Were, from your perspective, were there any obstacles in getting this done? Um, you know, I think the only obstacle was I was just kind of, you know, there was just a long period of waiting when, you know, like, like kind of not hearing any news other than April 24th. And it was kind of like, okay, I could get ready for, I, I was posed a couple of different options, but um, there was a long period of time where I didn't know what fight it was going to be. And I kind of just put it into their hands because I'm like, you know, this is, I'm just, I'm just ready to fight. You know, obviously to me, uh, a title fight's a little more big of a deal. And I think that me versus Whaley is like, you know, is uh, the fight that everybody wants to see. But I mean, I'm, I, to me, it didn't matter who I was going to fight. From your perspective, why is this fight happy? You know, you last fought in July. She last fought in March of last year. Why did it take so long for this fight to happen? Um, I mean, partially it's because of my nose, you know, okay. um, but other than that, I don't, I don't really know why, you know, maybe just ask the UFC. I mean, there was, there was a lot of things going on with COVID and everything. I mean, the world's just kind of crazy. So, I mean, you know, maybe I, just, they just told me April 24th and I've been ready. I've been getting ready for that ever since I kind of wanted to fight sooner, but you know, that's just, I don't know. wasn't in their plans, I guess. When you found out that they were doing this uh, in Jacksonville and not Vegas or fight Island and full capacity arena. Um, Cause you fought in July, empty arena in Abu Dhabi. What did you think? I'm sorry. Say that one more time. When you found out that they were doing this in the arena uh, with all the fans, you know, sold out crowd, uh, not in the empty arenas as has been the case over the last year or so. What did you think? Um, definitely got me hyped up, <laughs> you know, uh, that's going to be, it's, it's going to be pretty intense, you know, um, just thinking about, I guess, I mean, this is already like a huge card. It's already a huge fight. Um, so that in addition to that, it's, it's, I'm just super grateful, you know, like, because, um, obviously, you know, my personality, I'm an introvert. Of course, I just want to like hide under a blanket and just like, you know, nobody look at me, (laughs) but you know, but obviously that's not what I'm put on this earth to do. I'm here to be a star. I'm here to, you know, be, um, you know, an example for everybody and, and, and also just be an entertainer. And this is what I, this is the gift that I was given. So I kind of, you know, I'm embracing that and I'm really, grateful that the fans can be there and it's kind of it's kind of a shame that it's been so long since we've been able to do this but at the same time you know it it just helps us appreciate the times that we can have together i know i know you are an introvert and you you don't love the limelight at times i'm just curious since you got to experience fighting in front of you know essentially no one i know there was like ufc officials there and whatnot but no fans um and now you're going back to the idea of fighting in front of a full arena was there a part of you that kind of liked the uh the empty arena situation better because you didn't have to deal with all the hoopla kind of i mean there was other challenges you know so like but yeah i mean there was a there's an aspect of 
you know, just us being in there. And it kind of, it almost feels like not more personal, but it, it's just more intimate, you know, me and the, me and the opponent. And it's kind of like, it feels like a street fight. You know what I mean? Like it feels like we're in back alley somewhere and we're just fighting or, you know, so it, it kind of, it just feels different. Um, but you know, there's parts about it that I like, and then there's parts about it. I didn't like, um, I didn't like having to, you know, fly all the way over there. And then, you know, that was mm-hmm. kind of, but at the same time, it just, you know, there was, there was a lot of cool things about it as well. So I guess, you know, the whole experience is, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like life, you know, there's good and bad. Do you have any kind of relationship with Zhang? I know you're both uh, represented by the same manager, Brian Butler, same weight class, of course, but um, I'm wondering, like, have you ever met her before, trained with her, any interactions with her whatsoever? No, I, I have no idea about her. I mean, I know a couple things. I, you know, I, I know Brian and Brian, you know, has, you know, told me some things about her. And, um, but other than that, from experience, I don't know her. So a couple of days ago, an interview that you did with a Lithuanian outlet, I believe LRT um, yeah. is, is uh, their, 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 their initials um, came out and it created some controversy for you. Uh, you were talking about your motivations um, leading up to this fight and your roots, your Lithuanian roots, and recently seeing that documentary again, um, the other dream team, which you've talked about in the past. And, and you said, you know, your, your mindset going to this fight is better dead than red, which of course is a, a slogan from 50, 60 years ago, about the anti-communism movement. And, and you talked about what she represented and all that stuff. And uh, this has obviously created some, uh, some buzz online. And I'm curious if after seeing the buzz or after seeing the reaction to it, if you felt the same way, if you understood why it bothered people, what's what's your takeaway from the last couple of days since this has uh, now gotten out there to the larger MMA public and the community? Yeah, um, I'm kind of unaware as far as, uh, you know, people's feelings about it just because everybody has an opinion. But um, and, and nobody has to share the same opinion as me. But um, for me and this is my my opinions are based on my experiences. This is not something I looked up on YouTube. You know what I mean? This is an actual reference to a documentary. If you're confused about any of my opinions, you can watch the documentary and you can get a good idea as to what my family had to go through. Um, The reason that I'm in the United States today, um, the reason that I do mixed martial arts, all of that stuff. I probably have a really different life if it wasn't for, you know, with the just everything in that documentary and how Lithuanians had to struggle with um you know communism oppression and so um so yeah the the reason that I brought it up and that I referenced it is because the reporter suggested that um that I had animosity towards past opponents and that I was you know that's what maybe caused some motivation in those fights and that this one there's no animosity and therefore I don't Maybe there's a lack of motivation, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Number one, I don't have any, any animosity towards anybody. Um, obviously, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. I definitely have emotions, um, but when when I'm fighting, there's there's no emotions towards that person. It's just an outward manifestation of my inner demons that I have to deal with every day, and so. So that's number one, no animosity towards anybody. I, this is not direct directed at Whaley as a person, but at the same time, I'm motivated for this fight more than ever. 
I mean, this is, this is my history. This is where I come from. And this is the, these are the demons that I have to face every day. And so, so yeah, um, I don't know. That's just, that's just kind of how I feel about it. And if there's any confusion about it, watch the documentary. I really encourage people to do that. It just, it's, it's nothing, it, it's something that I'm very thankful for because I going through all that and knowing all of the history and stuff, it, it reminds me of why freedom is so important. And, and especially in this day and age where, you know, my grandfather had to pass away in the hospital from COVID by himself and people are dying alone in hospitals without their family members. And so for me, we should have the freedom to be able to be with our family. Um, but you know, that's just my opinion. And, but it's based on facts and it's based on experience. It's not just something that I, that I came up with. So yeah, like, again, I encourage people to, you know, reference the documentary for, for any confusion. But like I said, I love Whaley. I, you know, I don't, I don't know her. And so I know she wants to be friends and all that stuff. Um, and it would be great to get to know her if we could, if it's possible. But, uh, but I love everybody as a human being. And, and these are the experiences that I'm grateful for the even, even the, the things that have been done wrong against me or anybody that I love. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> when you say demons, Rose, what do you mean by that? Do you, do you mean your own personal demons or your, your, your country's demons? What, what do you mean when you say that? Cause obviously that's, that's a, that's a strong word. Um, you know, just, I, I think everybody has a certain level of PTSD or just, you know, uh, past experiences that kind of trigger them and, and, you know, um, you know, haunt them like in the present moment, but really, um, you know, in the current present moment, everything's great. You know, I have, I have freedoms and, and I, I am grateful for the freedoms that I have, but every once in a while, yeah, I have to battle demons of, you know, are, uh, is, is somebody trying to control me? Is somebody trying to tell me what to do? Is somebody trying to, um, constrict? And, and that's, that's my personal, like, you know, one, one of my number one top priorities, but other people have, you know, certain demons, like they're, they're afraid of, they just want to be safe. They want to be, or they just want to be happy. Um, for me, freedom is one of the top things. Safety kind of comes underneath that, <laughs> you know, obviously it's just a juggling act. And so I think that's kind of what I mean by that. I think if I can uh, put myself in other people's shoes, what they took issue with, with was, uh, I don't think Zhang has really talked about politics. And so I think when you say like, she represents this, you're like, well, she doesn't really speak about these things. So how do you know what she represents and, and why did you, you know, put her in that box, so to speak? Do you understand why people would feel like, well, maybe she's not someone who believes in these things just because she comes from there. doesn't mean she necessarily believes these things. So maybe sure. that was something that shouldn't have been, um, you know, brought up. Why, why, why mix the two? If she's never openly, maybe I've, I've missed it, but maybe she's never, you know, cause she's never talked about it. Why bring it up? Yes, um, that is true. And I don't know what her beliefs are, but but here's the thing is that, and this is a question maybe that we should ask her or whatever, but can we really even know what, what she actually believes or, and, and from my experience, or not from my experience, but, um, you know, she may be being told what to say, you know, I don't know. Um, and 
do we do we know what exactly what what she believes? No, uh, because she hasn't talked about it. I understand where you're coming from. Um, do you regret saying any of this? No. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like, and, and from my experience, uh, you know, being in a with communism, like, from from what I know, is that you can't you can't freely have an opinion. You can't criticize your government. I can talk. I can talk about America and how imperfect it is and, and how, you know, there's just lots of things messed up about us and, and stuff like that. And I, I'm very grateful for that, for that freedom to do so. Uh, you mentioned uh, she, you know, I know she's spoken very highly of you. I remember when I spoke to her last year uh, after her fight, she, she said she wanted to fight you. This is before the Andrade fight because she respected you as a martial artist and whatnot. Um, once this fight is over and done with, is this a relationship that you are interested in having or are you the type of fighter who, you know, you like to stick to your team and that's it. You don't like to, you know, be buddies with everyone. Is this, is this something that has crossed your mind and that you're interested in? No, like I said, I would love, I would love to be able to, you know, um, the question is if we'll be able to, but uh, that would be something that I'm interested in for sure. Does this fight feel any different for you than say the Ioana fights? No. Like I said, it's, it, you know, every opponent of mine is red. It, it doesn't matter. They're just the person that's standing in the way of my dreams. Um, but that's, that's the demons that I have faced in my past. Um, just the oppression and stuff that I've dealt with. And um, they're just that outward manifestation of that. And sometimes it's, sometimes, um, you know, there's certain things that maybe that trigger certain things inside of me coming from from my opponent or coming from out outward experiences and things like that but it's always an internal battle and it has nothing to do with Whaley herself I'm assuming you want to be UFC champion right that's that's part of the reason why you're taking this fight you want to be the champion again correct I remember uh when we spoke after the Jessica Andrade fight and you didn't say that it was like, Oh, a blessing to lose the title, but you did say like, Oh, you know, being champion wasn't something that you particularly loved. And it's kind of nice to not have all the responsibilities and whatnot. Why do you want to go back to that? If you didn't particularly love it the first time around? Um, Because I'm more mature now. And I know, I know that uh, what it can do for me and my family and, uh, I'm just, I know that I believe that I'm destined to be the best. I believe that I was given this gift to be the best. And um, it's something that, you know, it, it doesn't come natural to my personality as far as like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's something that I just feel as though that's something that I'm destined to be. Uh, do you want to try to win the belt again so that you can maybe have a different experience with the title as champion so that that's not your loan? Is that part of the motivation as well, that your loan experience isn't the one that you previously had? Yeah, I think I was so afraid of it, you know, um, changing me and changing the things. And then it ended up doing that. And, I, you know, um, to me, it's like I, I, ma- I made it this whole thing of it doesn't mean anything, but then I ended up making it mean Mm-hmm. way too much <laughs> and so um you know that's that's something that i want to conquer and i want to gain control of uh 
when you are UFC champion, there's obviously a lot that comes with it and there's a bigger spotlight on you and more attention. Is there something that you would look forward to doing um, maybe with the platform that being champion gives you that you didn't maybe do the first time around? Because as you said, you were afraid it was going to change you, but you know, people want to talk to you more when you're champion and you can speak about things that mean a lot to you. Is there, do you want to write that wrong? So to speak. Um, I definitely would like to, you know, do things for Earthships and um, just the Earthship biotechnology community and really spread that knowledge. And but there's a there's a lot of like kind of a laundry list of just different things, but definitely stuff for the environment um, and and uh, and things like that. That that is something that would probably be a big focus. Um, but there's other things, too. I mean, I want to I want to, um, you know, it would be, it would be uh, awesome. And, and I don't want to like, you know, I guess put too much weight on this, but it would be awesome if I could bring my grandma here to the States. Like that would be, that would be really cool. Uh, where is she now? Uh, Lithuania. Oh, has she, has she been to the States? Yeah. She, she helped raise me when I was a kid. So, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, she would kind of go back and forth, but now, you know, just being like older and things like that, it's, it's hard to travel back and forth, but right. that was, and uh, I know you went to Lithuania a couple of years ago. Was that the last time you saw her? Yeah, actually, no, I went, I went this, not this past winter, but the. Right. Okay. It's so like a year and a half or so ago, right before all of this. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I think you mentioned your grandfather passed away due to COVID. Was that uh, her husband? Yeah. Okay. And that was in Lithuania. Yeah. So you couldn't go to a funeral or say goodbye. No. Were you guys very close? Um, my grandfather, I'm definitely way closer with my grandmother. Um, but I was close with my grandfather too. Okay. How is she doing, you know, losing her husband? I mean, you know, it, it sucks. It's part of life obviously, but I mean, she's doing, she's doing better now. Okay. Does she watch your fights? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) well, after once, once she knows what happens, but she won't watch them live. Yeah. She's, she definitely worries. Okay. Uh, speaking of your family, um, a, a young man who I uh, follow on Instagram and who I, I communicate with uh, quite often is your brother. Is it Noyas? Noyas. Noyas. Uh, he's going to make his pro debut, correct? Uh, he already did. He did. Oh, okay. I missed that. Uh, how did it go? Um, he, he didn't win. He lost. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> decision or finish? Uh, finish. Okay. Yeah. Is he going to keep going? Is he okay? Yeah, he's okay. Um, he'll, he'll probably keep going. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where the Namunas name on your back is a huge target, and it's just you know, there's a lot of a lot of experience has to come with that. So you know, it's I'm I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him for you know facing his fears and uh, you know just doing the best he can. And and I'm proud of how he handled himself afterward. And he's just gonna keep you know doing martial arts. Were you uh, able to attend the fight? No. Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw recently, Mike Tyson said that he thought that you were going to, uh, this is my words, not his, but he said something else like you were going to steamroll Zhang Weili. Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I listened to the interview. Yeah. What is that like to hear Mike Tyson talk about you in glowing terms like that? Yeah, it's definitely, um, it definitely makes me, uh, train harder. It definitely, um, motivates me and I love Mike Tyson. I think, I think he's great. Uh, you know, one of my favorite fighters. So I think that's just awesome. Um, 
Joanna and, and Jessica and Carla, all these people that you have fought the best of the best at 115, where would you rank? Obviously you haven't fought her yet, but just based on what you know of Jean, where would you rank her? Do you think this will be your toughest fight? Is she your toughest matchup? Do you think that there was someone else who was your toughest test? Where would you put her? Yeah, she, she's definitely my toughest matchup um, to this point. And I mean, every fight's the toughest fight, you know, Sure, of course, but uh, for, for this one, um, you know, she beat Joanna, she beat, uh Andrej um I've done the same obviously our fights are a little different but um for the most part I mean she's she's a tested and and true champion and she's got a lot of skill sets and the experience to go with it so I mean yeah there's a I'm fully aware of the challenge that I have ahead of me what impresses you most about her her determination hmm. yeah Toughness as well sort of goes along with determination. Um, you know, she's tough. She's definitely tough. Um, but I think, I think we're all tough, you mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm pretty damn tough too. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Uh, it so, is but I think her determination and her, um, yeah, her ability to, to, uh, to push through discomfort. Yeah. I guess it would be tough then. Yeah. Yeah. She has looked relatively unbeatable in the UFC. When you watch her, do you see holes in her game? Yeah. Everybody's beatable. You yeah. know, always see holes. Um, now does it, you know, it's it, easier said than done to expose those. Yes. But I mean, what I bring to the table is it's uh man, it's something else. <laughs> it's something else. And when you stand in front of it, it's just different. And, and when you feel it, very different. You know, you ask anybody that, that has fought me before and they'll tell you. See, even hearing you speak like that, like that's a, a confident side of you that I don't think you've always showed speaking about yourself like that. Is this part of the maturation and evolution that you were talking about to, to, to be okay with saying you are the best and that you are on a different level than these people? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason why I became the champ in the first place is I had mm -hmm. to uh, overcome my negative self-talk and things like that, you know, um, and, and not in a egotistical way. I mean, it's just, that's just the truth. Like I am the, when I do my best, I am the best. Um, and that's all I have to focus on is just performing and, and being my best self. When you envision this fight, how do you see it playing out? Um, the pretty, pretty same as, as how I always kind of envision all of my fights, you know, go in there, punch their face, take their back and choke them out. That's, that's my, game plan every time going in there it manifests a little differently each time but um that's gonna be my goal okay well uh i i uh i always look forward and i think i speak for everyone we look forward to a rose fight uh, it always feels like a, a special thing a big deal this is one of the most anticipated strawweight title fights in uh, ufc history can't wait for it and uh finally finally it's gonna happen because it feels like we've been waiting a long time for it so thank you as always for the time rose all the best in the next 10 or so days as we prepare for the fight and as you prepare as well and uh, best of luck to you on april 24th yes thank you so much this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. All right. Very much looking forward to this conversation. It is a pleasure to be joined by one of the top lightweights on the planet. He returns to action on May 15th, UFC 262, highly anticipated fight against Benil Darius. She's the one and only Tony Ferguson. Tony, how are you? Long time no speak. What's up, buddy? Hey, I'm on my way to wildcard boxing right now for some practice right now, some punch face. Oh, I love this. Okay, so let's start there. Uh, when when did this happen? How did this all come about? You now training at wildcard with the legendary Freddie Roach, even GSP in some photos as well. How did this all come about? Uh, I've always been a wildcard guy. Uh, when I was over with Mark Munoz over at Rain Training Center, uh, it was cool to always find myself at a boxing gym. Um, I was at American Gym, and then I was tra- going back and forth in between LA, obviously with Tim Planet, and I would always find myself at Wildcard. And I met Coach Freddie Roach a couple times to my one of my old trainers, uh, Rashad, which is really cool. And uh, man, I made some cool changes to my game. I needed to be the team to be hungry again, and why not better else to be overworked? I would always go if I needed to feel that. And honestly, it's been a blessing. Uh, it's been cool to be over at a place where it's not. It's not like I don't know how to box, but it's not like everybody. It's 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 a really cool it's a really cool thing, Ariel. It's hard to explain because they allow me to grow there, and they allow like all the other boxers to grow, and it's it's a cool setting to be in. And when I worked one on one with Coach Freddie Roach and a lot of his other trainers, I get the attention, and it's really fight based and fight focused, uh, and it's really cool because they're they're able to be open to the to the fight esque and. It's been nice to be able to talk to Coach Freddie once in a while when he talked about uh, applying takedowns and how they did with boxing with George St. Pierre. And we'll go into meeting with that guy, which was pretty awesome. Um, you know, you, you know, I was at 170 for a long time, right, Ariel? Yes. So I, I was, what, 10 and 2 before I went into the Ultimate Fighter with mostly knockouts. Uh, and always looking at this dude, George St. Pierre is that guy, man. Hey. He's a champ. When I get there, I got to beat that guy to get the belt. Always got to beat that guy. And he was the, he was one of the only fighters that was doing it right with the supplements and then the the non-impact type of training and everything. And it was it was right at my it was right there in, in the same pathway that I was doing my stuff and how my pops and everybody were telling me my coaches and man, out of the blue, I'm over at wildcard boxing and here you go, this guy. <laughs> I knock out everybody at 170 pounds in the Ultimate Fighter and and he was a guy, man. I'm telling you. And I thought if I would have ever met him, I, you know, I don't know how I would have acted. Dude, it was the coolest fucking thing. He comes in, humble as crap. And he's, he's you, know, and, uh, you know, and I'll save our conversations for, for that for us. But it was the most humbling shit. And he was really uh, Bushido-like. And it was really cool, man. Like, and I haven't been around that kind of martial arts in a while. And it was a really nice nice thing because it wasn't no passing of a torch or anything like that. But it was really cool and respect. And to be able to be in a room surrounded by that much fight knowledge, I guess you should say, and that much experience was just like unreal. I would have never thought that I would have been not like like a fanboy or anything like that, but have so much respect that, you know what I mean? It was different. It was completely different. Because I fought at 155 and 170 is not too much right there. Always, always at 170. But to have that much respect for somebody and to have that, where you've seen how much work and how how hard it is to stay in a spot as a champion for a long time, you know, the tip of the hat for that one. And and back on it with with, with Freddie and, and Ben Asker and all those guys, it's just been a fucking experience, bro. And it's cool to be a part of it. 
and uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to be a part of that for uh, May 16th. I, I can tell in your voice how much it all meant to you. Um, will Freddie be in your corner in May? I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. I try not to get too much more involved with what takes away from the boxers. Uh, that's what I do. I, I try not to take away from what everybody's doing on their team. So uh, if he's there, he's there. If he's not, we're going to have somebody from the team there. And I know exactly what got to do. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't stop with the Neil. I'm going to be real. Uh, we've got a, we got a really structured game plan when it comes to what we're doing. We're not faring away from it. I'm putting in the rounds. Um, I've flown in a couple people, you know, aside from wildcard boxing, I've, I've, I've flown in a couple people and I got a couple more people coming in and different coaches and looks and, and likes and stuff. And it feels like I'm back on the ultimate fighter area. I feel like I'm back before anybody knew me. I got a, and it's not a different mentality. Uh, I touched base where Kamara Usman said varsity mentality. Well, that's my shit. Well, in likeliness, it's not about shit or anything. How about it's just a certain belief that you have, you know, it's, it takes a certain mentality to get to where you're at. And then it also takes a certain amount to be able to stay there. So where I'm at right now is an Olympic mentality. I said that earlier before we got on the phone that I wanted to see the sport in the Olympics, but it, you don't have guys like, if you don't have guys like myself, Fathead Khabib or, you know, even Connor, Connor should be pushing into the Olympics. It's different. Without us being here and even Dustin Poirier and, and these guys and us like fighting for something like this, it's crazy. You wouldn't have a sport or, or Dana even putting it out there. And it makes it interesting to have these fights. So now you have May, May, May 15th, right? May 16th. 15th. 15th. And now you got a new belt that's up for grabs, which has been gangled in front of me for how long, Ariel? Right? Years. Yeah. I just played and toyed with and everything. And it's kind of, man, it's frustrating. But in essence, too, though, check this out. Anything can happen. What if one of those guys falls out and I'm ready and nobody else is and I have to go and fight for the title? What if, what if, what if, a lot of what ifs. One thing that we're taking care of is the what ifs. We're taking care of all the variables that we possibly can in this camp. I know that their team over at Kings MMA, they're training really hard for this guy, but there's nowhere near the amount of talent that I'm trying to surround myself and putting it together. It's, it's, it's uncomparable. Last year, I didn't hit any reps. I barely hit any reps to make sure that I can make other people's happiness before mine. And this year, I'm making sure I'm doing that shit for sure. Okay, so I have, I have a ton of follow-ups here, Tony. Uh, obviously, you, you talk about the coaching and, and, and the people that you're surrounding yourself with. One of the big stories going into the last fight against Oliveira was you changing your team. Can you explain once and for all why you decided to make this switch, why you decided to get rid of you know, or move on from some of the uh, the coaches that you had for so many years? Well, they never saw me lose for one. I mean, it probably took a lot of heat. You know, some of the things that came out of the mouth, like throw some sand and stuff, it's kind of a lot. and It's kind of an ego crusher when it comes down to it. Um, but then you have to also think about it. How are people going to survive? And how my, my close circle goes, you know, my faith, family, friends, and my team, and I keep my team really close. Well, my team has a families, and to be able to be there a lot, especially during COVID times, it takes a lot. People were losing their jobs. People were losing their shops. People were doing a lot of things, man, that they didn't, couldn't control because of a lot of things that we couldn't control. So I had, I had coaches that wouldn't take any more tests, like COVID tests. 
So that was out of like, you know what I mean? It was, you know, not even to name names. I don't like there were, there were things that were out of my control and out of their control that forced me to make moves that I had to be able to take as a chief security officer of my business. Right. Mm -hmm. To make sure that one, the UFC is going to keep going, that they can count on me being reliable. And two, that I'm clutch. Demonstrating how much of a person is a clutch person will tell you how reliable they are as well. My coach has always been reliable for me. They've been there. And so it's almost like, think about this, Ariel. If you've been to college, right? You've been to school and you've been to classes. How often, when you graduate school, do you go back and you visit all your teachers? Unfortunately, no. No, not really, right? Because you have all the knowledge that you need. And so what you do is you go out there in the real world and you use it, right? Mm -hmm. You demonstrate what you paid for it and you go out there and you use it. Same thing. It's no different with coaches and it's no different with trainers. I myself have been doing this for a very long time. I'm a big boy. Okay. So whenever I didn't have the coaching, I had to make the phone calls and the, you know, and the names and the people to be able to get me where I was at. And the coaches had to do the same thing and then trusting that with the hard work and effort put in there. Where we're at right now, man, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how like with coaching and trainers are because my conditioning is really good and I can train all day. But for the last, like, what, eight to ten years, I've had to, like, be able to try to learn each sport in, in separate, right? When I found that I started to try to put, like, the sports together, and especially with my team, it was kind of – it was really hard. It was, it was difficult for, like, some of my team to agree to disagree on certain things. And, and it was really good. And it, you know what I mean? It was, it was a valiant effort. But where it is is nobody's going to know mixed martial arts better than myself because I'm in there. I'm the man in the arena. Unless I find another coach that does that or I'll be able to apply it and so on and so forth. Now, remember how I told you how I kind of graduated from my coaches, which was really cool. Now they get to go and do their thing. They get to live their lives and they kind of get to see me do my thing with the knowledge and the things that I have. The last camp that I had, we had planned. We had a schedule. We had things. Things didn't go right. We went out flat immediately after the fight. My arm was a little compromised. I went and hit pads, Ariel. I hit pads to get my arm better and figure out what the fuck was wrong. And you know what the funny thing is? You know what I learned out of the, both those losses, Ariel? What's that? God gave me a break. He's like, you know what? You don't need to be leading from the front anymore for right now. He's like, you need to work on you. He's like, you've been trying to do too much for a lot of people. He's like, you need to work on yourself. You need to make you good for your family. Make your, make your family really good because that there's no juice left in the squeeze. I'm trying to help people that don't want to be helped and, and trying to do things overly for people that you shouldn't like me, you know, obviously taking fights with the UFC and losing my belt again and, you know, taking these opportunities, but I had to look at it from a different way. And it's been the biggest blessing in my life to lose that 12 fight win streak to, to focus on what's important to me, which I won't say. And, to really control the only things that I can, and, and this is why I teach my guys. I teach I teach a lot of athletes to get back up on the, you know, on that horse and be able to get back into battle and do things in life. And it's kind of man shit that I teach. And what I see is I see at least progress. All this stuff and all these chances that I took, if I didn't do it, you didn't, we weren't going to see Khabib or McNuggets or anybody else do it. If we wouldn't have taken these chances, then the sports, it would have taken a little bit longer to get there. It would have done it, but it would have taken a little bit longer. But we made that shit happen. When, when there was gaps, we filled them. And, you know, if my team wasn't there, I went into battle knowing that I had the carnal knowledge to be able to go in there, sustain either, 
you know, either not getting beat or get out of victory. I'm in good shape and I know exactly what I have to do, but I have to hit my reps. And time management is one of the best things that I have learned over the last couple of years. And I have more than enough potential to be able to do this, man. And uh, I'll make it another run at that belt. And I'm not bullshitting. It's for the first time when I, when I was against uh, Oliveira, I started to uh, like MMA again. During the fight? Yeah, during the fight. It was cool because the first round, I knew he was going for the armbar. I mean, and I knew, you know, from watching film, I only trained five hours of jujitsu for that fight. That's it. Why? Why so little? I was busy, dude, just doing a lot of other stuff, man. Trying to make my business flow, trying to worry about, like, making sure that my my team was filled and making sure that, hey, guys, we're going to hit these reps during fight week, okay? All right. Right? Yeah, fight week changed, dude. They said we couldn't have, you know, we couldn't do anything because of COVID. So it was, man, the preparations were fucked. What are you gonna say? You take a, you take the loss, man. You move on and you do, you do, you go back to the board. You look at the numbers, and we figured, I figured it out. I've been doing this for a long time, man. I'm a, I'm a good coach. I'm a really good coach and trainer. It's because I'm coachable, and I figured this shit out. Went back to the drawing board. I'm not ahead of schedule, but I'm right there with where I gotta be, and. uh I'm surrounding myself around people that are not only doing what I'm doing, but they're, 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 they're fucking hungry, man. Like how I am. And it's nice. It really is to be able to surround myself around uh, people that are not comfortable. I guess you would call it like that. And, and that know what the fuck it takes to be able to, to, to get there and to stay there. Cause like, how, who I forget who said it. I forget who said it. I think it was in the ultimate fighter. I think it was, I don't know if Dana, rock or somebody said it said it's harder to stay here than it is to get here it's not about like staying and winning and losing and stuff like that like it's my losses when i look at them i'm like learning through each one and i'm not it's not getting like demolished or anything like that because it was it's hardly like i'm ever like that but i'm getting mat time and i don't do too much sparring so when i go back and i look at my mistakes and i'm looking at my mat time my mat time is in real time but now what i'm doing is i'm getting mat time in real time now before I go out there. So these motherfuckers are in trouble. It's just wait, dude. Like they're convincing me to go spar over here at wild card. And I'm just like itching at the bit, man. Cause I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Cause I need some MMA sparring and I'm waiting for somebody to do some MMA sparring because it's completely different. So right now I'm on my way to wild card right now. And we might get some sparring in today. Cause uh, last week, you know, we talked, which is really cool. But you guys are going to see a different animal out of me out there. And uh, it's because I've changed for the, for the good stuff, man. It's, I've always have. But for the last couple of years, I just kind of just paid attention to what everybody was doing. Just walked around in a drunken stupor and just took notes and watched how everybody was connected. So now I'm here. Is it true that you haven't sparred in like five or so years? And if so, are, are you going to end that streak? Are, are you saying that you're going to go back to sparring? Yeah, so I got some light sparring in the other day with one of my guys and a couple of them. I don't like to hurt people, Ariel. Yeah. So it's different when it comes down to it. I mean, yeah, I'm in the fucking hurt business in the sport, but you get what I'm talking about. For sure. I, you know, kid, I got older, you know, I'm a businessman. But it doesn't stop me from being a dangerous man. That's a completely different one. One thing that Dana told uh, Coach Freddie, right, because they talked and they, they talked about me one time, and Dana says I'm top three best in the world. That's pound for pound, motherfucker. And that's from him. Mm-hmm. 
top three best in the world, and I'm handpicked from Dana from the Ultimate Fighter. So I, I don't have you know the relationship I have with Dana and how like it is. It's fuck. They can count on me. They can always count on me. But I'm getting smarter in the game, and where I'm knowing is. What took me here was a lot of good sparring, a lot of bag work, and a lot of good stuff, and mixing it up. When I stopped mixing it up and I started focusing on like singular type of mix or MMA or just type of martial arts, that's when people try to figure it out. But I'm a freestyle wrestler, dude, and I'm a national champ when it comes to like college wrestling. I'm very smart and a captain, and I know what it takes to win, and I know how it takes to lose. But I know how to bounce back from a loss to be able to take those victories. You think about it. How do you get 12 consecutive victories without a title? You're bouncing back from a loss. Those are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's, uh, that's consolation rounds. But without a title shot, I mean, come on now, bro. Something's up there. How, how did, yep. At the end of the day, look, man, I'm getting paid. I'm going out there. I got job security. I'm chilling. I'm going out there, and people are having fun watching it, and they're being entertained. And my people, they're not streaming this shit. They're paying for it. <laughs> and you can count on that, right? So my, my, I don't have casuals in it. My, my casuals, if they're learning the hard course, are teaching them. Remember, I dubbed that fucking statement. Remember that and how fucking far it went? So it's cool to see, like, how trendy and everything is, dude, and how to be a part of it and seeing where it's going and how where it's came from. This It's just like, man, it's it's it doesn't just take one person in this industry to make sure that this sport keeps fucking going. That's for sure. Tony, when you found out that you were fighting on the same card as the the vacant lightweight title fight, I mean, you could have fought on any card, but that's the one that you're on. How did you react to that, considering your history with that belt? And, you know, for 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 all the years that it eluded you, how did that make you feel? I don't know how to make the UFC feel. That's what I want to know. Was it a joke? Was it a kind of taunted? Or was it to give me hope and a chance? Mm. To be like, you know what, kid? Yeah, something can happen. You know, you just keep fighting. Don't, don't fucking give up. You're that fucking close. Don't quit. Did Did you feel like quitting after the Oliveira fight in December? Fuck no. Yeah, no. I went back and hit pads immediately afterwards. My arm was off. So I would be real, mm-hmm. but I went back. I went to recovery mode. How did we end up with Benil? Uh, I, I, I saw, of course, I'm sure you saw as well, Islam Makhachev was, was calling you out. Uh, there seem to be many options for you know a name like yours. How did you end up with Benil Dariush as your next opponent? I'm not sure. I'm sure it had to do with something with dominance MMA. Obviously, they're all out there, and they just keep toying with it. But I'm getting closer to Khabib, and that's the only fight that uh, his pops wanted for him. And that's the only fight that they agreed to still. So, like I said before on that one, if he needs to be retired and get and go do peds and come back stronger, and I'm just kidding with that bullshit. You get what I'm talking about. But he's going to watch, man. They're going to try to get as much film on me as they possibly can. Do you feel like that fight is actually going to happen at some point? Like you haven't given up despite what he has said about retirement and the end of his career. You feel in your heart like that fight is going to happen at some point? Well, I have a pretty good idea when people are calling their bluffs, right? Remember when I called his bluff on UFC 209? Were you interested in, in Islam because he's kind of his protege and maybe gets you one step closer to Habib? Was that something that you considered? I don't know. I'm going to be real. There's a lot. They offered me Kamara Usman as submission underground. Chell did? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It was completely different for some things. And there's a lot of options when it comes down to it for, like, competition and stuff. But right now, we got Benil Dariush. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, their whole entire crew over at Kings MMA is helping them. So, it feels exactly like how I was on The Ultimate Fighter. And it's Benil right now. 
I know they have a game plan. I'm going to put it right back in their face. Uh, could I ask, Tony, uh, was there ever any shot in your mind of uh, the Diaz fight that we've talked about for years as well? Uh, coincidentally, he ends up on the same card as, as you too on, uh, on May 15th. But that, it seemed like you guys were maybe circling each other. Was there any shot of that? Was that something that interested you? Yeah, absolutely. When it comes down to it, I have like zero animosity from these, these guys and these characters that are in this, these characters that are in this industry. But we love the banter. We love the shit. I just like fighting. I love squaring up with somebody that wants to square up and that has the athletic talent to back that shit up. Now, that's the badass. Though. That's how boxing was back in the day. Now you have MMA is kind of the same way. You just had the Stipe fight. You had Nagano fight, which was bad as fuck. Everybody's looking forward to that. Everybody looks forward to my fights. They look forward to Nate's fights and and, and Connors and Dustin's. It's kind of different, right? But it's fun. And you have fans that are kind of like, man, it's hard to choose between people. Ah, I just want to see a fight. Mm-hmm. And that's what we build. We build that rapport for them. So it's I'm a legend, man, and he's a legend too. So you got you got something like that. You got a super fight. And Tony, you just turned 37. Have you thought about how many more years you want to do this for? Oh, man, ten more, even more. I'm gonna be real. Like it's it's I. I'm keeping up with a lot of these 20 year olds in sprints. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot more in my, st- I did what a thousand shrugs at 225 the other day when UFC countdown was there. I was like, and I did like 50 of them and they're like, and, they la- and they're like, how can we let us film it? I was like, well, I was like, I'll do a thousand before the day's done. And I did like maybe in like four or five hours. And that's what the other shit too. Um, I, I think you have to go to training. Can I, can I ask you one more thing? Michelle, bro. You mentioned GSP, one of the greatest of all time, and I know you said that you wanted to keep your your conversations for the most part private, but was there anything about the fight game, about rebounding, about careers, any any, any wisdom he imparted on you? And and can I dare ask maybe what that was? I, I'm assuming, I mean, that one picture of you, Freddie, and him, that's iconic stuff. I mean, the mind's just in that ring right then and there. And I'm just wondering if there was anything you could share with us about something that he may have told you about the fight game. Man. I didn't recognize him at first, and he said, Tony, <laughs> and he said, my elbows, and he's like, and he called me champ, and I called him champ, and it was the coolest fucking thing. So it was like, there's no, for somebody to call somebody else champ, especially when they're fucking champ, is, that's that's a humble thing, and that's that's a real big black belt move, dude. We'll leave it at that. Tony, great to talk to you as always. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're in a good spot. I can't wait for your return. May 15th, Houston, Texas, UFC 262, the return of El Kakui against Benil Dariush. Massive fight at 155. Appreciate the time, Tony, and good luck in the next few weeks as you prepare for the fight. Hey, thank you, man. And check this out. Make sure you guys follow my boys. I just signed uh, uh, with my, my homies a Protein Pizza. Check out www.proteinpizza.shop. And check them out. We put the pro back in with protein pizza. All right, cool. Thank you, Tony. All the best. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
All right. Now let us say hello to the man who just fought this past Wednesday, uh, an unfortunate turn of events. He was kicking off the first of a series of one championship cards on TNT. He was fighting Yuri Lapikus. Unfortunately, the fight ended as a result of a DQ, shots to the back of the head, a red card. You know this man. He is the underground king, Eddie Alvarez, back in the United States, kind enough to join us today. Eddie, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. How are you? Oh, yeah, man. In between, uh, I had it to Mark Henry's right now. Oh, workout in. But, a legend. Um, I'm, I'm doing excellent. So, first of all, uh, biggest question that I can ask you this entire interview. I like the beard. Are we letting it grow? What's going on here? I mean, usually you have a little bit something, something, but this is uh, this is more pronounced than usual. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I like mustache, that thing. Mm-hmm. But my wife, my wife wanted me to let it grow in. She likes it. And uh, I'm sticking with it. A couple of people like it. A couple of people call like me mustache, mustache Eddie, but we're, we're trying it out. I like it. What, what Jamie wants, Jamie gets. So respect. Um, a week removed from the fight, uh, one of the most talked about fights of this past week. Of course, controversial. A lot of fighters have weighed in. How do you feel about what transpired? Um, so I, I get the misunderstanding that went on in the ring. I, I get it. I don't envy any ref's job. I remember I had like a discrepancy with Goddard before and uh, it's for me, I don't envy their job. They have like, they're making split quick uh, on the fly decisions, just like we are in there. And uh, they make mistakes just like we do. We may, I make a split second mistake and I get knocked out. You know, a ref makes a split second um, decision, maybe a rash decision, and it could affect like my career, you know, my opponents or you know whatever. So um, I don't, uh, I don't envy their job. I don't want to be a ref. Um, so, I mean, he made, made a decision. My thoughts are um, it wasn't, wasn't the right decision. I think it'd be dealt with differently. Um, and um, I, we're, I'm looking to get it overturned. We're, we're reviewing it, um, you know, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see about getting it overturned. I think when everything comes to light and, and uh, they slow things down and we think about it, um, it, it should, should be overturned. So I'm waiting on that. How does that process work in one? Because uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's no athletic commission over there, right? In Singapore? Um, I, I, I have no clue. I know it goes to a board. Okay. Um, it goes to like a board of uh, 10 or 15 uh, you know, unbiased judges that go back and review it and say whether it's good or, un- or, or not good. Some, something on the lines of that. So I'm waiting upon review now as we speak and uh, we'll, we'll see. Okay, so so you are I going. Per, personally, I think uh, you know he, he turned his head midway. I, I was given a warning about it um, when um, when the ref yelled, you know, back of the head. He also yelled, "Let's go," which was like a odd command um, to say, "Back of the head, let's go." Back of the head, let's go. I'm like, you don't tell a fighter, "Let's go." That was that's odd because I'm gonna go mm-hmm. and. Um, if you if I am doing something illegally, from my point of view, I think you should just stop it and stand it up. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't allow a fight to go in its entirety, in its entirety, and then uh, and then you know disqualify me. You know, break it up. Give me a point. Give me give me a uh, warning or give me a point, and then uh, you know, and then we continue on. But you know, when you let the fight go in its entirety, and then, and then I get penalized, I was I was a little upset about. It. I just think it was the wrong call, and I think uh, upon review, it should. You know, I feel like there's a good chance. I think a lot of people feel like it should be under turn. So we'll see. 
So, and from Lapicus's uh, perspective, do you think he was moving his head to try and and get you to punch him? Like, like to try to make you know, because you can move your head in the flow of the action, and someone say, "Oh, it's going to hit there accidentally," or you can maybe try to lean into that, sort of like with the downed opponent stuff and the illegal knees. What do you think he was doing, if anything, or was he just trying to get out of there? I mean, you guys were kind of pressed up against the cage, so it was a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I don't know if he had many options. You know what I mean? I think yeah. uh, he, he wasn't going much anywhere. You know, I've seen that same shot. I've seen Khabib hit that same shot a million times on people. I've seen seen a million fighters hit that same shot on people, and there have been no discrepancy at all. So, um, for me, it was a win. If, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm not going to get my win, I, I can at least at least get a no contest, please. You know what I mean? I Disqualification, I think, was a bit, bit harsh, considering there was no warning, no anything. It wasn't malicious or ill intent at all. Like, uh no contest or, or give me my win. I feel like, you know, but other than that, I think disqualification was a bit much. You were very emotional afterwards. Why? Uh, I, I, that's the worst fight week I ever had, man. Um, you know, we're in a, we're these quarantine rooms and stuff. I just, uh, I don't like, I'm a guy who distracts myself during fight week. We stay, maybe we stay at the casino. I'll gamble the whole time. But the last huh. thing I want to, Last thing I want to be in during a fight week is alone with my thoughts. Um, that's not a good place for me. That's like, personally, it's just not a good spot for me to be. I, this sports, like really, uh, I take it really serious. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of bad things happen in the sport. And like, sometimes the days before the fights, you just get in this loop of your mind, just like, you go over the fight and go over the fight and go over the fight and all the bad things that could happen. And without any distractions or, or able to go somewhere to distract yourself or do something, it's, it's not a good spot to be. So, um, you know, it was a bad, it was an emotional fight week. I didn't have my wife there. Um, my wife's always been to every single fight, didn't have coaches. Luckily I got to bring out Ryan Cafaro, who was frigging awesome in my corner and during a, a training partner that I had there. Um, he did a hell of a job, but, uh, it was, it was, it was difficult, man. It was very difficult. You, so you could only have one coach there. One coach. Yeah. And uh, really why one coach, uh, well, the Singapore government allows one coach. I mean, I think we were all given a pass an athlete pass, but I mean, there's some stringent rules and uh, right. you get, you, you got to stay in your room. You get uh, two hours a day, one, a one hour training session. And then you get another one hour training session and wow. uh, you got to share that. You got to share that amongst other fighters. So you got to make sure you get your times in that you get your time before other people do. Um, you go out of your room, you work, do your workout, you go back. And uh, I, I'm not a victim. Everybody's got to do it just right. personally for me, like my, my character and my it's, it drove me, you know, it was difficult for me. And so is this a situation where you experienced it? Obviously the fight didn't go the way you wanted, but maybe you're not going to be interested in fighting until the pandemic is over so that you don't have to go through this again. No, no, that's not true. (laughs) No. Okay. No, I think, I think, uh, I dealt with it. I actually wrote, I wrote a lot of notes about it, wrote to myself, you know, I'm a big writer to myself when I deal with difficult times. And that, that was like cathartic. I I got it off my chest and kind of, I think that helped me cope with it. And, uh, I think, um, I think when it does, when I do get back in that situation again, I'll deal with it better than what I did the first time. 
Okay. Have you been writing to yourself for a long time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I told you that um, when we walked around. Well, I know you had the board, Kensington right? You had the board. Yeah, with the... When we walked around Kensington, I told you, I, you know, that, uh, you know, if I've written letters to myself since I was younger. And so when you're writing to yourself, like in this situation, are you writing to yourself to calm down or are you writing to yourself, you know, like w- w- in this particular case where you're kind of locked up, so to speak, what, what does writing to yourself do? How does it help? Um, I don't, I like, I guess it's like catharsis. I'm like getting it mm-hmm. off my chest yeah. and like vo- vocalizing it, like a part of vocalizing it kind of helps to get out of me and not, not stay in me. I could go back to the paper and read like emotionally, like how I felt and some of the solutions that I was using to deal, to deal with the problem, you know, and I can always go back to that and begin to read it and kind of, uh, use it as a, a, a reference in the future. So, um, I don't know that that was just one way of, of coping with the situation. And I've always done that. It always helped me in the past. You ever go back and read stuff from 10 years ago, five years ago? Not often, but when okay. I, when I'm on a long plane, when I'm on a long plane ride, um, sometimes I'll go back and I'll watch like old sparring. That's fun. But then I'll go back into my old notes and I'll see, I'll see some things that I wrote to myself about after certain fights about how I felt after certain fights or, you know, um, just to remind myself like the, who I want to be and, and the person I want to be and the fighter I want to be. And that, a lot of that is within the notes that, that I, that I wrote, you know, um, in, in watching fighting for a long time and talking to fighters for a long time, I have seen some fighters over the years kind of fall out of love with fighting and, and grow up and see what it could do to people and how it could injure you and what you're left with when a career is over. And so without knowing all of that, that you were going through that week, when I was watching you, I was wondering if the way I was viewing it was here's Eddie Alvarez, who has done so much in this sport, who has bled and sweat and has sacrificed his body for so much. And here's a guy who's maybe coming to terms with the idea of not liking this as much as he once said. That was my take on it because you were so emotional in that moment. And you were talking about his state and the potential injury that he may have suffered. I think he was being stretchered out at the time and all that. And I was, I was watching you kind of cope with that on live television and wondering if you were starting to fall out of love with MMA. Was I totally off in that regard? I can't, no, I don't want, no, I don't want to say you, I, I heard you say that and you had a point, you know, you had, I understood your point, what you were getting through. And I understood your point in that you're saying, 15 years ago um, that I wouldn't feel that way. And you're right. You're hundred percent right. But like you get older, you have a family. Um, when I, 15 years ago, all, all fighting is all that existed. You know, nobody else, even I was with Jamie, my kids, like I would fighting like kind of took so, so much of a grip on my life that I was putting it before so many things. And like, that's not, that's not my outlook on life as a 37 year old, you know, husband and father fighting is what I, is something I happen to do. I'm a husband and father first. And then fighting is something, it's my job. It's something I happen to do. Um, and no, I love the fight. I, I, I enjoy everything about it, except for the, the night of the fight. When George St. Pierre says he's scared to death and, and he hates the, the, yeah, that whole, if I could skip that whole part and just train for a living, it'd be great. But, um, 
I, the idea of hurting someone and damaging someone for life, there's a, you know, I, I would leave this sport immediately. Like if I ever did something like that, that's not my intention. Never will be. Um, it's to compete at the highest level. And like, like for me to grow, this helped grow me. It changed me from the inside out. Like the person I was, um, I don't want to say it wasn't good, but it wasn't good enough. And then fighting grew me inside. It helped like heal a lot of things that I had going on. Um, made me confident, made me, just made me become a better person, better athlete, father, husband, and everything inside and out. So, um, my intention is never to hurt anyone. It's to win a competition, them go home safely, me go home safely, and then, uh, move, move forward. So, uh, I understand what you mean. And yeah, maybe, maybe a part of me just seen too many bad things happen over the past two decades. And, um, I have a, I have a, a negative, more of a negative outlook on people getting hurt and things like that. And has that, has that developed over time? Like those feelings about fight night, that anxiety, if you will, was that always the case from when you even debuted or has that come over time? I think, I think the anxiety about fight night today, like, like, uh, if I could just be honest, like uh, today as a father, like I think about things like I used to think about like, Oh, what if, what if he gets me in this or gets me in that? There, that's not my anxiety anymore. My, my anxiety is like my f- kid is going to go in school tomorrow and there's going to be kids who are tallest to him. Like, and, and maybe I didn't perform well, or maybe I got knocked the f- out. Well, they, I can't control a classroom full of like little asshole kids ridiculing my son. Now my son got the burden of what I did on TV and he's got to f- go through school the whole time like that and and he don't want all he wants to do as a 16 year old is just fit right in and it's it's the complete opposite so now i'm making you know maybe i'm making other people's lives difficult by doing what i'm doing what i'm doing you know what i mean so like it's different anxieties it's different things i think and feel about today than than what i used to when i was younger you know yep would you have preferred if they didn't put you on tv in that moment the post-fight interview. Yeah. I I wasn't looking forward to doing, no, I thought I was going to just go out of the cage. I didn't, I didn't look forward to doing an interview at all. I was, uh, I didn't know it was going to escalate to, to a stretcher. I didn't know it was going to escalate to what it did, a DQ. Um, it just real ask all escalated really quickly out of nowhere. And I, and then they threw a headset on me. I'm like, I don't, I, this, I don't want to do this. Right. Um, cause he's being stretched out as you're talking, right? Yeah. That's yeah. tough. That is and tough. I want it, I want it, I want it zero to do with the interview before I seen that just right. because of the DQ. I didn't want to be on mic the way I felt inside. And then that happened. So I was like, you know, it just, uh, added a whole lot of, uh, emotion to the whole situation, I guess. To the best of your knowledge, is he okay now a week later? Yeah, he's a hundred percent. He's good. Okay. Um, also he's, there was a good to go there was a clip that was shared of you backstage crying. Um, how, how did you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know who took that. I was just trying to get beyond the curtain so I could be by myself, be by myself. And, and, uh, I wasn't by myself. So, okay. uh, I was just Would trying to like get out, get out of the stadium so I can get a little rest and, uh, like kind of get it all out of me. 
like get everything out of me that I was feeling, not just from the fight, but just from the being in the room uh, for eight days and like everything just kind of came out at once, you know? Would you have preferred if that wasn't, I mean, it makes you very relatable to common people like me. I mean, we all have feel, I mean, you guys are superhuman in what you do in the cage and I see that and it makes me feel for you even more, but would you have preferred to not be shown in that vulnerable state? I don't care. You know, okay. I don't, I don't care. Um, my, my wife wasn't happy about it. She wasn't happy that someone did that to me, Like she's the, she's the one that would bite someone's head off. <laughs> if she, she's like, the, you know, they're lucky she wasn't there because she would have smashed the camera on the ground. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I don't, I don't care. I cry. I yeah. cry. I get angry, upset. I fuck up, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't care. I asked your manager, uh, Lloyd Pearson right afterwards. Um, you know, they have these four shows on TNT. Would, would you st- would you maybe stay in Singapore and fight on this weekend's card or this week's card, excuse me, next, this Wednesday or, or, uh, next week's card. So do you want to get right back in there? Are there any talks of you because the fight was so short and you looked so good of getting right back in there? Um, uh, I barely needed to come home. So I'm home, you know, um, like I, I had to come home, but I am going back. I'm going back a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm headed, I'm headed back. I'm headed back to Singapore in real short order. And I'm, wow. and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to fight this month. Yep. This month. Is there a fight, a done deal? We're, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's done, but it's, uh, we're, we're damn near there. And, uh, I'm got, I'm going back to I'm going back to Singapore. So uh, I'm getting I'm getting on a flight soon enough and I'm going back to Singapore and I'm looking forward to a fight. Wow. And and you and what about going through that whole hotel process all over again in such short order? We're gonna do it. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna go <clears throat> I'm full I'm fully in character. Let's say that. I don't wanna be home and become, you know, yeah, domesticated dad and husband. Right. The, the dad and husband and uh, vacation Eddie. And have a few drinks. I want to. Uh, I want to stay on edge, stay on easy, upset, angry, and and emotional, and then get me back on a plane and throw me in a box. And uh, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that calls for a good performance. So we'll see. Okay. Um. Don't want to get you in trouble. So I'm assuming you can't. You don't want to talk about like the exact date or opponent or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. No date or opponent. Just know that uh, you guys are going to see a lot uh, more of me. Very soon. Very soon. Uh, okay. Very soon. Before the, okay. before the end of this month, uh, I think so. Wow, that is amazing. Um, and uh, I just want to—I'm I'm just curious, Eddie. Uh, in the next fight, Demetrius lost, so it was kind of shocking to see both of you, kind of the faces of one in America, lose back to back under crazy circumstances. He got nailed with that knee while he was down. You like that rule, or would you like for one to be more like how the promotions are here, the unified rules are here in America? I'm I'm with it. I'm with the rule. Um, okay. I think uh, I think uh, it's a vulnerable position. You know what I mean? I think I think, and if you're in that position, you, you're you're losing. You know, I, I don't think I don't think a guy who's winning it should be able to get a guy who's in a winning position shouldn't be in position to get kneed in the head like that. So I think um, you're in a vulnerable position. You get out of it as soon as possible. Um, not stay there and play the game. If if we were in a fight, a real fight. And and I had you in a front headlock, and you were just sitting there. I'm probably gonna hit you in the head or 
or do something to finish you. So um, I'm with it. I think they, I get the confusion because the unified roles, um, mm-hmm. this T over in America, but you know, different strokes, different folks, they all, all cultures are different. You know, you go yep. to Russia, you're probably, you'll probably get different stuff, but I, I fought all over the world. I fought mm-hmm. everywhere. So I don't, I don't believe in one system. I think, um, there's good and bads from, from all the rules. Um, we, we don't quite have it down here in America and I don't think anybody does we just do what, what we feels right. I guess. Last thing before I let you go, you, you mentioned you fought everywhere. You have fought almost everyone in your orbit. Uh, am, am I hearing correctly that you have your sights on a different kind of fight in the not too distant future? Haha. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So um, recently uh, we've been hearing from Oscar De La Hoya's guys, and uh, you know, we're gonna go look. My my um, I'm fixated on the one championship belt. That I mean, I'm laser laser focused on on making history and getting getting my getting my world title. Um, but I feel like uh, there's gonna be a lull. The champion's gonna sit for a little bit. I think he's having a baby. And if that happens, Oscar Del Hoya and them guys been reaching out, and uh, hell, I'd I'd love to get in there and mix it up with him. That that that'd be that be a hell of a hell of a fight. And I got everybody everybody here in Philadelphia backing me, and the whole Philadelphia boxing um, to back me up and to get in there and mix it up with that guy. It'd be a dream come true. And I actually think I I do pretty damn good against him. So. Um, I'd be I'd be crazy excited about that if if uh, if them guys figure that out. We'll see he, though. He just announced a couple of weeks ago that he's coming back July third in I believe Dallas. Uh, so they've like this is a serious thing. There have been serious or at least some kind of talks of you potentially fighting him. He reached out to your team. Your team reached out to his after he made the announcement. What happened? Oh yeah, they're serious talks. They're they're serious like. They're serious, like wanting to get a deal done this week. Serious, so wow. And uh, one's okay with this. Well, we, we I spoke briefly to Chatri about it, and uh, we'll speak further about it, and and we'll see what comes of it. You know, right now, and I I, I never get too excited until papers are in front of me, mm-hmm. and and we have we have a bad agreement online, and everybody's happy with what's what's on the paper, but um yeah, we're being reached out to um. I believe they tried to get some, some, some larger names and the larger names kind of outbid themselves or they're under contract. Nobody is even available or not. Nobody's able to, they're all either in contract or outbid themselves. So um, I've been, uh, for me, I've been boxing in and out of Philly boxing gyms my whole career with pro boxers. Um, When I'm not, when I'm not training for a martial arts fight, I'll be in West Philly, North Philly, or somewhere sparring boxing with some of the best boxers in Philadelphia. So no sweat off my back. The last time De La Hoya went, at, went against a Philly guy, he got knocked out with a body shot. Bernard Hopkins executed him. So if he wants that to happen again, he mess with another Philly guy. He's pushing 50, though. Like, Do you think it's a good idea for him to come back after all this time against anyone? I don't, I don't care what he does. <laughs> you can you can do what you want. You can drive with your feet. That don't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> Wait, don't you want how how do you drive? I drive with my feet. You mean like on the gas pedal? You drive 
No, no. Like on this, you can drive. Oh, on the seat. steering wheel. Yes. Okay. Steering. All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I said it, it don't. It don't mean it's. It don't mean it's a good idea. Right. So I don't, That's fair. I mean, I'm sure. Look, you know what? I sparred uh, Howard Davis before Howard David passed, and Howard Davis was probably 50 years old um, when I sparred him at ATT. I was probably 22 years old wow. at the time. He and he worked me over. So, yeah. um. So to, to say that he won't be good just because he's older isn't, isn't true. I mean, the, the gas tank may not be there, but you don't lose. I mean, once you get back in the groove, uh, you know, De La Hoya growing up for me, if you wanted to learn how to box, like technically, you watched Oscar De La Hoya. He, you would learn how to box by watching him truly fight. That's how technical and beautiful he boxed. So um, that's, you know... At 50 years old, I still, you know, maybe maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's uh, going through a midlife crisis and uh, he wants to show his. So that's good, some... good, good for me. Hopefully we get the fight. So what percentage are we at now? Like if 100 percent was done deal, where are we at now in your mind? Oh. I mean, we're we're at the second the second or third time they reached out. OK, to talk. Interesting. Second or third time they reach out to chat. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm fixated on my fights. So it's like, yeah, I, I get the idea. If you guys want to throw a number at us and, um, you know, let's really talk or get a contract in front of us, then, then we can sit down and now through the details. But for right now, for me, it's all about one championship world title. And just because making, this is boxing, right? I got my... Yeah, this is boxing. Yeah. yeah, I think I believe it's an eight round, eight eight round boxing fight. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh no, I'm just saying. For me, uh, I'm I'm pure. I'm fixated on making my own history. Oscar De La Hoya made his history. He done, he mm-hmm. done did whatever whatever he's gonna do. I don't I don't know for what reason he's coming back or what he's doing, but I know the last Philly guy quit, put him away, and uh, <laughs> that you should learn your lesson mess with a Philly guy. All right. Well, uh, some, some bombs dropped here by uh, Eddie Alvarez, uh, likely returning later this month, a lot sooner than we probably all expected and uh, potentially a July fight against Oscar De La Hoya. So uh, things are after a very quiet 2020 in terms of activity for you, you might get three pretty big fights in, in the span of a few months. So thank you for that, Eddie. Good luck to you, my man. Uh, thanks, as always, for the time and insight. I'm sorry what happened last week. It was tough to, to see it all go down like that, and especially the aftermath. But uh, you're, you're, you're a legend. You're a class act. And uh, it's, it's always an honor to talk to you and to watch your fights. Thanks, Ariel. And everybody, like, I mean, the outpouring of support has been incredible. Please, guys, keep it coming. And the more you guys keep yelling, the more I'm going to fight. So I'm going back to fight real quick for you. And if it wasn't for the support I got after that fight, I'd probably just stay home and uh, go on vacation or whatever. But I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling really good right now. So thank you guys, and uh, follow me at E Alvarez Fight on Instagram. Awesome, thank you, Eddie. All the best. Thanks, Harold. All right. So like I said, no hyperbole. Three great chats. Really appreciate Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, and Rose Namunis. By the way, I have two other great chats on the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. The first I want to tell you about is Jimmy Flick. Jimmy Flick retired on Sunday, excuse me, Saturday he retired. 
you may have heard of him, had that amazing flying triangle win in the UFC, a, a, a product of the Contender Series program, 30 years old, seemed to be a player at 125, and then out of the blue, no one saw this coming, he retired. And so I was curious about this, and I spoke to him. Now, I've been talking to fighters for about 21 years now. I don't know if I've ever talked to someone who produced a more heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching interview than Jimmy Flick's interview with me. Um, Words cannot describe what this man has been through. Words cannot describe the emotion that he shared and 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 displayed it's uh it's 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 a must see honestly it's a must see and i don't want to do him or his story a disservice by trying to sell it to you here but that's all i'll say you can check it up on the espn mma youtube channel right now also I have an interview up with robert whitaker who of course meets kelvin gaslam this saturday on espn plus massive fight in the middleweight division i've said it i said it on monday with dc I say it on Ariel and the Bad Guy this evening, which is back today and tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday on ESPN+. Plus. This is a number one contender fight at 185. I don't care who wins. The winner should fight for the belt next. And so I speak to Robert Whitaker about all that and more. As I said at the top, it's a busy day. It's a busy week in MMA. It was officially announced today. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3 is a done deal. It is good to go for July 10th in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. Conor McGregor told me, uh, this morning that he signed his bout agreement. So that was the last piece. We reported that Dustin had already signed his bout agreement. And it's going to be at a full capacity arena in Vegas. So they're back. Vegas is opening up in early June. And, you know, there was some drama with, with Connor and Dustin earlier this week with the donation stuff. Dustin has since gone on Twitter and kind of apologized for putting that out there. Uh, but it seems like the gloves are off. Pardon the pun uh, between the two of them. And, and they're going to get the fight done. Um, and it's a done deal for July 10th. So so Connor assigned, Dustin assigned 155 pounds, main event, five rounds. The winner could very well be next for the winner of the Charles Oliveira-Michael Chandler fight, which of course happens on May 15th. Also, uh, ESPN reported that Jan Bachovic is going to defend his light heavyweight title against Glover Teixeira on September 4th. So that is uh, out there as well. Also, we found out that on June 10th, Clarissa Shields is going to make her MMA slash PFL debut against Brittany Elkin, who is someone that Kayla Harrison fought in her debut. So kind of funny how that works out. Uh, that'll be June 10th for PFL. PFL, by the way, returning April 23rd. So next Friday on the ESPN family of networks. So like I said, a lot going on uh, this week. Uh, tonight, Wednesday night, if you're listening to this Wednesday night, uh, we have one on TNT2. So we've got Christian Lee, the brother of Angela Lee, going up against Timofey Nastyukin for the lightweight title. Um, that's the main fight. It, it kicks off at 10 p.m. on TNT after AEW. We also have the return of Bellator once again on uh, Friday, April 16th. And big-time main event, Vadim Nemkov against Phil Davis. Uh, the champion Vadim Nelkov uh, in, in the light heavyweight tournament. Also, the, the return of Corey Anderson in the light heavyweight tournament against Dovletstan Yakshimuradov, who's making his Bellator debut. Paul Daly on the card as well against Saba Homasi. So they've been on a bit of a roll as of late. Raymond Daniels on the undercard. And then, of course, the UFC back on Saturday, Saturday night, 10 p.m. on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam, Jakar Close, Jeremy Stevens, Andre Arlovsky, Chase Sherman, Abdul Razak Al Hassan against Jacob Malkoon. 
you got Luis Pena on the card. You've got Tracy Cortez returning after a, a bit of a layoff. You've got uh, some interesting names, Austin Hubbard, etc., etc. Gerald Merchard. So that's all going down this weekend and, of course, on Monday. And all next week, we'll be back to talk about all the craziness. For now, though, I am out of time. Again, thank you very much to our sponsors. Thank you very much to Tony Ferguson, Rosnam Yunus, Eddie Alvarez, Jimmy Flick, Robert Whitaker. Thanks to all of you who continue to rate, download, subscribe, and review. Oh, I forgot to even mention Jake Paul, Ben Askren. Holy smokes. That's this weekend, too. We'll talk about that on Monday. Totally slipped my mind. Yes, that, that might be the biggest of them all. That's this weekend as well. Jake Paul, Ben Askren. Wow, what a world we live in. All right, so that's all going down this weekend. We'll talk about it all on Monday. Rate, download, subscribe, and review. Back next week, same time and place. Tell us, hey, peace. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm.